Hello, my rebels. Do you know who any of these public health officers are? Like, who is this Eileen Davila in Toronto who apparently is so powerful she can order 100 police to raid a restaurant without even having to go to a judge first? Who is Eileen Davila? I'll try and answer that today. Before I do, let me invite you to sign up for Rebel News Plus. It's basically the video version of this podcast. It's only 8 bucks a month or 80 bucks for the whole year. Go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. All right, here's the podcast. Tonight, just who is Eileen Davila, the bureaucrat who ordered the riot squad to raid a peaceful Toronto barbecue restaurant? It's December 1st, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say is government about why I publish is because it's my bloody right to do so. Who has the power to order 100 police, 50 police cars, and four police riot horses to raid a peaceful barbecue restaurant? change its locks, seize the property, seize the owner and jail him overnight without a trial. Who has that kind of power? Normally the answer in a democracy like ours would be that an independent police commander would make the operational decision that such a raid is necessary, based probably on a legal opinion for something so large. Lawyers would probably convince a judge in a court for a warrant or a search warrant So you'd have a couple of checks and balances, a police commander using his discretion, getting advice, a judge scrutinizing the legality of such a move. But that did not happen last week. The order for that massive raid came from an unelected, unaccountable health bureaucrat who works for the mayor. Public health officer no one had heard of until the pandemic made her a media star a few months ago. Eileen Davila is her name. It's her name on the public health order in the window of Adamson's Barbecue. It's her name on the trespass notice on the site telling everyone that she controls the property now. And according to a police superintendent, it was her who ordered him to conduct the largest police raid in more than a decade. Listen to him say she just ordered him to do it and he just complied. Actually, there's a weasel word in there. Tell me if you can catch it. Today and uh, today, uh, as you're all aware, uh, we were at uh, Adamson's Barbecue at 7 uh, Queen Elizabeth Way. Um, last night, we received um, an order from Justice, or sorry, Dr. Davila, uh, essentially giving us um, power under the, uh, uh, or her power under the Health Protection Act. So she essentially ordered him to do it? And notice how he accidentally first said a judge ordered him to do it before he remembered she wasn't a judge. Is that how it would normally work? A judge determines search warrants. A judge is a check and balance to police raids. But a public health bureaucrat giving an order? So who is this woman who can launch a thousand policemen and horses into battle at the stroke of her pen? Perhaps we should get to know her a little bit as she seems to be our new queen. So that's not fair to Queen Elizabeth, who would never dare to order the police to do anything 
uh, she knows enough about the rule of law in a constitutional monarchy not to turn into a petty tyrant. So my apologies to the real Queen Elizabeth. I should know that Queen Eileen de Villa is not a lawyer, not a judge, not a police officer, and has no training in any of those things. A lawyer would know her raid was illegal. A judge would remind her it's unconstitutional. And a policeman would say it was operationally foolish, an indication of a police state run by an emotionally vain authoritarian to have such a display. It was so dangerous charging horses into a crowd. De Villa has her own army, though. Uh, she really does have her own army. <laughs> it's a staff of almost 2,000 people, a budget of about a quarter billion dollars, but they don't get to carry guns like the real cops. They're little health inspectors checking restaurants for rat droppings, and increasingly they're obsessed with pushing hard drugs <laughs> into neighborhoods throughout uh, Toronto in ironically named safe injection sites. Even back in April, which was the height of the pandemic, Davila was obsessed with opening up these public shooting galleries for hard drug users. Your church is closed. Your business is closed. Your school back then was closed. Those aren't essential. But by God, this doctor wanted illegal drug users to have government-sponsored injection sites. That's essential. Look at this. Toronto aims to reopen city-run supervised injection site this weekend. Got it. Using illegal drugs isn't just fine, it's going to be subsidized and funded by the public health officer. Smoke crack? Sure. But smoke meat? No, your barbecue will be raided. What a strange woman. But it's the difference between being a public health doctor and being a real doctor. Oh, Davila has her MD degree for sure, but that's about it. She doesn't have any patients. She doesn't look at people as individuals. She sees us like Bill Gates sees us. We're just ants in an ant colony. And she doesn't have to care for us and get our consent when she gives us medical advice. She's, you know, a queen. Just ask her and ask the police, apparently, who bend the knee to her. A doctor's like a lawyer, like any other professional advisor. They give advice and the patient or the client gives instructions to the doctor or the lawyer. A doctor can advise you to lose weight, advise you to stop smoking or drinking, Lots of good advice. But at the end of the day, you're a grown-up. You can make the decision. It's part of freedom. Well, Davila has all the instincts of a doctor, telling people how to live, and good for her, but they're just her opinions. Unlike practicing doctors, though she doesn't have to convince people, she orders people. I've never heard of a public health officer, ever, that isn't authoritarian in their blood. By nature, if you're a doctor and go into the public health field, you are a control freak. You are someone who seeks to impose your will on everyone, and you are blinded by your own expertise. I mean, if a real doctor told an actual patient to put on a mask to have sex, uh, they'd be laughed at, and they'd probably lose patience. Teresa Tam said exactly that, and the media party nodded along. Talk about control freak. I think the public has to know this is one of the worst-case scenarios in terms of an infectious disease outbreak, in that their cooperation is sought. If there are people who are non-compliant, there are definitely uh, laws and, and public health um, powers that can quarantine people in mandatory settings. It's potential you could track people, put bracelets on their 
uh, arms have police and other setups to ensure quarantine is undertaken. Anyways, uh, like everyone else in Canada, I had never heard of Davila or Theresa Tam before the pandemic made them both so insufferable. All of these nobodies, nobody's making 300 grand, 400 grand a year. I should say suddenly, um, suddenly they, they became nerdy celebrities and the media loved them and they loved it. They weren't just setting up hard drug consumption sites and dealing with rat droppings in restaurants now. Now they were internet celebrities. They were telling everyone how to live and not surprisingly, the answer was always to live in fear and to look to the government and control as the solution. If your only tool is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. If the entire philosophy of your profession is government control, don't be surprised if the state response to this particularly bad flu season, which is statistically all that COVID is, don't be surprised if the response is perpetual lockdowns, paranoia, and the submissive signal of wearing a useless mask. Are you obedient? Prove it. You could say it's a religion, in fact, Avila does say that, or at least her religion is more important than your religion. And being a public health queen, you have to bend the knee to her, even if you don't believe. I, I think the only people treated more harshly than Adamson's barbecue uh, this past half year has been the churches. Completely shut down in Wellington County, harassed throughout Canada, whether it's Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky, literally pushed around by police in Calgary for the crime of feeding the homeless, or... Pastor Hildebrandt from Aylmer, or the church in Steinbach. It's funny how churches are the main targets, or at least the first targets, of these public health crusaders. Gathering to shoot up hard drugs is essential, but going to church is not. Look at this from last fall, before the virus. Don't allow vaccine exemptions because of religious or philosophical object objections, Ontario urged. Toronto's top public health official is urging the Ontario government to consider halting the practice of letting school children skip vaccinations because their parents claim religious or philosophical objections. Dr. Eileen Davila made the controversial recommendation to end all but medical exemptions, along with numerous other measures aimed at combating the spread of misinformation about vaccines that threaten to lower overall immunity. In a report released Monday. Got it. So you can't doubt the new religion, public health. Your religion is not as important as her religion. And actually, the most worrying part is that she wants to stop you from even being able to talk skeptically about vaccines. That's misinformation, she says. Now, I should say I'm generally positive towards vaccines. I think they're a good idea when they're tried and true, when they're tested. I want to know how deadly the disease is that we're protecting ourselves against. against and I want to know how risky the vaccine itself is. And in the case of COVID-19... I'm starting to know it's about as deadly as the annual flu, COVID-19, but mainly if you're over 80 and if you're in a senior's home. But if you're under 50, it's likely you'd never even know about COVID-19 if it weren't for the apocalyptic media coverage. And when you have billionaires talking about mandatory global vaccines, like Bill Gates does, but governments stopping you from suing them for any side effects, that's a sign that maybe the vaccines rushed to market aren't quite ready yet. If everything goes perfectly uh, with the RNA approach, we could actually beat the 18 months. We don't want to create unrealistic expectations. The efficacy of vaccines in older people is always a huge challenge. You know, it turns out the flu vaccine 
uh, isn't that effective in elderly people. Most of the benefit comes from younger people not uh, spreading it because they're vaccinated, and that, that benefits on a community basis the elderly. Here, we clearly need a vaccine that works in the upper age range because they're uh, most at, at risk of that. And doing that so that you amp it up so it works in older people and yet you don't have side effects. You know, if we have, you know, one in 10,000 uh, side effects, that's, you know, way more, 700,000, uh, you know, people who will suffer from that. So really understanding the safety at gigantic scale across all age range ranges, you know, pregnant, male, female, undernourished, uh, existing comorbidities, it's very, very hard. And that actual decision of, okay, let's go and give this vaccine to the entire world, uh, governments will have to be involved because there will be some risk and indemnification needed before that can uh, be decided on. Only 700,000 people could die, hey? Yeah, you first, Bill. Uh, let me read a little bit more. Among the villa's eight recommendations, the health board asking advertisers and social media sites to clamp down on misleading anti-vaccination information. Yeah, do you, do you see what I mean about someone who thinks she's a queen? But I say again, our queen would never demand censorship of opposing views. She just wouldn't, but this little tyrant does. Who are all these people? There are a hundred public health officers across Canada. Not one of them is elected. Every one of them is enjoying their fame and power. Every one of them has an interest in extending and enjoying the pandemic for fame, for power, for empire building, for settling scores, including with blue-collar cooks like Adam Skelly, who just don't know their place. Normally, the Eileen de Villas of the world spend their time disinfecting an E. coli outbreak or teaching restaurant-safe food handling techniques. But now they're the queens of all they survey, including Canada's largest municipal police force. Yeah. I didn't sign up for that. Did you? Stay with us for more. So what, uh, here's the copy. The police file number's on the top there, the very top. Okay. Okay. Is there anything else I need to know? Uh, no, uh, if you wanted to speed it, have these speeders on the back. Okay. Thank you, sir. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Have a good day, guys. All right, you too. God bless. It seems biased, but I'm not a, a charter of rights expert, but it does seem like uh, a line has been crossed, you know, where, I mean, we're taking care of all COVID protocol and trying to be careful, and, um, and they want to close us down. But right now I could go down to... Walmart, grab a shopping cart and get COVID off of the handle. So it doesn't make any sense. And as far as we believe, you know, the spiritual needs of, of our community is above everything essential. Freedom is freedom of conscience and religion. Uh, C, freedom of peaceful assembly and freedom of association. So, you know, there's a lot of debate over what we're doing and, and everything, if it's, if it's right and stuff. We believe that we have the the freedom and the right that's been built in by people that want to respect the supremacy of God. I see that there nation. is a ticket that was that issued. Yesterday. What have you been told? Well, uh, my friend here, Randy, talked to um, the officer. So I was inside doing the service and apparently we were uh, 
getting ticketed outside here, being told that we're not allowed to meet. And uh, they'll be back for our next services to reticket us and uh, ticket individuals that come walking in. That's what we're being told. And how much is the, the fine for? This one is $2,300 for the church here. And then individuals sound like they'll be getting ticketed about $230 uh, for coming. So I got to tell you, I walked in here. We've got this gentleman here. He's been wiping down yes, the doors. We've got signs on the, the doors. The front entrance has, uh, you know, hand sanitizers, masks. What would you have to say to Canadians who believe that churches like yours are just big super spreaders? Yeah, well, I think we look at what the facts have shown and that that hasn't been the case. And we've been meeting here since May and, and holding three services and we've had no incidences happen. And uh, we're happy to follow along with, uh, you know, restrictions when we see that it is necessary and truly uh, a medical emergency. We just haven't seen that yet. And I think a lot of people would agree that the numbers and the data just aren't lining up. So we're trying to be careful. We're trying to do everything safe. Uh, and, and do our part, but we feel that um, meeting together here is something that we have uh, in our law and we just desire to continue on to do so while we can. It's an incredible video, over 20 minutes long. Every moment of it will have you gritting your teeth with frustration. Imagine singling out churches. You cannot gather in a church, but hey, go to the gym. By the way, I don't want the gym shut down either. I'm just saying, if your Costco's and Walmart's can be open, why can't your churches? Well, I think it tells you something about the political biases of our system. Joining me now via Skype from the lovely greater Vancouver area is our friend Drea Humphrey. Drea, great job. I feel like you're giving a voice to people who are ignored by the mainstream media. My one criticism is, you know, and I see it with Christians, and I can say this as a Jew, that Christian <laughs> instinct to... You know, be as gentle as doves and turn the other cheek. Well, that's not the Old Testament way. I tell you, I, I feel like fire and brimstone when I see the police picking on churches. <laughs> I guess I'm just wired differently. All that, you know, you know, cheeriness and God bless. I mean, holy cow, it sound like good people. But I think, I think we've got to fight for them. I think we've got to lawyer up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree with that as well. I mean, I think that their demeanor and, you know, the setup of the church and how attentive they are to COVID, I think that that all plays against the label that churches are getting as these super spreaders. I see that in different COVID awareness groups. Oh, well, you know, churches are super spreaders. So I think that it, it, it the, the report does show that that isn't the case, right? And that the, these collective restrictions on groups of people and not just Christians, but all religions, um, you know, it's just not right. You know, we have been watching this from coast to coast. You're out there in beautiful BC. I'm out here in, I was going to say a bad thing about Toronto, but it's my home, so I won't. Um, so we see it across the country. We see Pastor Hildebrandt in Aylmer. We mm -hmm. see the pastors in Steinbach, Manitoba. We see the churches in Mennonite country in Wellington County shut down. We see Arthur Pavlovsky, the street pastor in Calgary, charged with $1,200 uh, for feeding the homeless. I think that authorities are targeting churches, number one, because they're trying to take advantage of any anti-Christian bigotry out there in the media. And number two, 
because of what I said earlier. I mean, I tell you, those old order Mennonites wouldn't even mm -hmm. criticize the government. It's they're so peaceful in nature wow. that I think that the authorities say, well, if I went after Costco or Walmart, um, I'd get in trouble. But these churches are so mild, they're easy pickings. I think these churches are being targeted precisely because they turn the other cheek. I mean, look at people were thanking the police officers for ticketing them. Listen, I understand <laughs> that it's not the, well, maybe it is the cop's fault. Oh, I was just following orders. I don't know if that's an excuse. I was just following orders and targeting the church. So don't follow the orders or say you used your police discretion. I'm madder than they are, Drea. <laughs> you know, I've said that before to some Christians. And I think when I shared the, uh, you know, your take on what happened to the old Mennonites, I said, why is my Jewish boss more concerned about the, the Christian churches being targeted than the Christians themselves. But uh, no, you're absolutely right. And it seems like they almost are maybe even practicing on on the old Mennonites because they know, um, you know, there's going to be no resistance. And that was just heartbreaking. And I'm like you, I want to get out there and fight the fines or make petitions or whatever we can. And, uh, you know, Jesus was like that too. It was uh, illegal for the lepers to be around people. Did he mask up and stay at home in a bubble? No, he went right up to the lepers and he hung out with prostitutes. So, um, yeah, I, I'm surprised that the church is behaving the way that they're behaving, but I'm happy nevertheless to see churches like Riverside, um, Calvary Chapel, start to wake up and start to take a stand in their own way. Yeah. I, I shouldn't be too negative. Listen, I mean, it's their way. They're Christians. They're, they're very loving. You can just see that they're wonderful people. So you can't expect them to, I mean, they have more sugar than vinegar, more honey than vinegar. That's who they are. And that's why they're great people. Um, and I saw Tanya Gaw and Carrie Simpson, two great uh, supporters there, giving their best advice. But I think we need, we need some top gun, aggressive mm -hmm. lawyers who are going to push back on the state. Let the lawyer be the bad cop. Let the Christians stay friendly and the good cop. Let the mm -hmm. lawyer be like the liver of the body, um, uh, attract all the poisons out of the body. Uh, mm -hmm. Let the lawyer fight the bad guys. Let the Christians go back to church. Um, I, I know you mentioned a couple of times in that interview our fightthefines.com website. I will be looking for them to fill out a form, or maybe we'll proactively call them. I mm -hmm. just think we've got to fight back. And I don't know if you know this, Drea, but earlier, last week actually, we announced that we're going to defend the first thousand people who come to our website with a fine. We reserve the right to not take some of them if they're too crazy. Yeah. But it is our, <laughs> and today I had a meeting with our lawyer, Aaron Rosenberg, building sort of an assembly line system. So we got to get mm -hmm. going. Because that mm -hmm. Calvary Church, Riverside Calvary Church, they need our help now. Uh, is that your church? Do you know those people or you just know of them? Yeah, no, that, that's not my church. That was my first time going and uh, they seem like great people. Um, someone did, you know, text me that I've met uh, at one of the Freedom Rallies before and said, hey, you should know about this because the bylaw officers had already warned them before that Sunday. Sunday. And, you know, the local news came out with a completely different story. They said that the public called the police, but it wasn't. It was the bylaw officers. And they also said that um, that after they said they were given a fine. And then after that, the police came and there was no second service. So they left. So, you know, people just receive this misinformation. And that communicates to the rest of the churches that, OK, this church tried to take a stand. 
they got fine and they backed down. But no, that wasn't true. Right. The second and third service continued. All right, Drea, let's you and me make a deal. Um, yeah. Let's get a really strong lawyer, give mm -hmm. it to Riverside, and let that lawyer take every church case in the greater Vancouver area. And because, <laughs> I mean, Vancouver <laughs> is thousands of kilometers from here in Toronto. We mm -hmm. need someone boots on the ground there who's going to take every case. Like I said, I, we really will take hundreds of mm -hmm. cases. So let's find a lawyer who's going to fight the freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, freedom of conscience. Take all those fundamental freedoms and push yeah. back on these capricious um, whims. Like, you can't say Costco's fine, church is bad. Uh, Jim is fine, church is bad. You can't say that. That, that, mm -hmm. that shows an inherent bias. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do a follow-up story on this, Drea, and it's going to yes. be the story of fighting back. This was story number one. We're mm -hmm. going to do a sequel where we fight back, and then the third in the sequel, the third sequel, will be the victory. That's yes. the goal. <laughs> yes, that sounds great. Well, they seem like nice people, and I'm sorry I'm talking so much, but boy, we've got work to do. Last question to you. Is this widespread? I mean, you say you were, someone reached out to you about this and you mentioned other churches. Is this happening to a lot of churches in Vancouver? Well, for those who are waiting for the church to wake up in this area, I have heard from some birdies that the, there is some rumbling and there's, there's uh, some discussion about that between more pastors. So I think this is just the beginning. All right. Well, and who knows? Maybe yeah. we can be a part of helping save Christmas with this as well. There you go. Okay. Well, I have my marching orders. Get a great lawyer on the ground in Vancouver, ASAP. Dre, you're doing great work out there. You're such a great ambassador for Rebel News and for freedom. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we start turning things around out there? And I'm sorry I'm talking so much, but I just, I'm, I'm spitting bullets over this case. Yes, I'm right there with you. All right, we'll let you get back to things. Dre Humphrey, holding the fort out in BC, fighting for freedom. Great to see you. Bye. All right. Stay with us. More ahead. On my show last night, Dan writes, is this going to be like the flu vaccine, always mutating, so every year you have to get another injection? Oh, who knows? Um, I just find it irksome that Bill Gates, who's got 50 billion smackers, wants to be exempt from any liability if the vaccines, you know, has some side effects that we didn't test for. The fact that he's asking for that um, indemnification in advance tells me it ain't ready for prime time. Jane writes, there is a 99.97% survival rate from this COVID. How ridiculous to think that a treatable cold needs a vaccine. It's not about preventing an illness, but it is about controlling you. Yeah, well, you know, it depends on your age bracket. The survivable, uh, survival rate is even higher. It just doesn't tackle people under age 20. Like, seriously, one in the whole country of Canada. Bruce writes, As for police being weaponized, we mustn't hate the frontline front officers. It's their bosses whom we must protest against. It's a shame that otherwise loyal police are being used as stormtroopers for petty, spiteful politicians. All right, I hear what you're saying, and I think you're probably right. But it looks like all the cops at those barbecue joints have signed up 
voluntarily for the extra pay. And do you think there's no role for a cop to say, yeah, I've read the Police Services Act and no, we don't take instructions from the mayor's health advisor. We just don't take instructions that way. Um, so, you know, respecting the, the rank and file, it goes a distance, but it doesn't go all the way. Would they obey any order from someone who patently doesn't have the authority? I'm becoming more skeptical. Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.